Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome again. We've got another special Superhero Movie Club episode lined up for you, but first a couple a couple news and notes. This is, of course, Season 2, Episode 4? <laughs> I'm losing track myself. This is the first appearance of our now-permanent science panel member, and that is Ben Anderson. Dude's a riot. Dude's super smart. And we also have Grant in this one, too, just so we make the transition very, very soft for you guys. I've put in a familiar face with a brand new one. Other than that, of course, you can always know to like us on Facebook as well as email us at shmcpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about Ben's smartness as well as how sexy his voice is because we know you won't be able to get enough of it. And finally, make sure you guys get excited because even though you're tuning in this week for this great episode, next week's going to be even better with our season two season finale where we team up with the Slap Happy Movie Time guys and we talk about all the films that were based on comic books that came out in 2013 that we didn't do episodes on and we just make fun of. Why didn't we do an episode on them? Because they probably didn't warrant 40 minutes of our time. (laughs) We're talking movies like R.I.P.D., Bullet to the Head, and Red 2. So stuff like that. And they are super funny, and we actually can't wait to publish our time with them. And we hope to have them on for later episodes as well. So, without further ado, here is Superhero Movie Club's Season 2, Episode 4, Iron Man 3. Enjoy, everybody. Superhero Movie Club. We do comic book movie talk from modern to old, where it began, the final product, and its future. We cover everything about the movies, budget, themes, music, source books, and hell, even the science. I'm your host, James Skyler Houtsma. And I'm Michael Maurer. I'm Grant Austin. And I'm Ben. We have our science people with us today. We have our music person with us today. And we have our comic books person with us today. That's me. And today, we're going to be talking about... Nothing's been the same since New York. Oh, really? I didn't notice that at all. You experience things, and then they're over, and you still can't explain them? Gods, aliens, other dimensions? I'm I'm just a man in a can. The only reason I haven't cracked up is probably because you moved in, which is great. I love you. I'm lucky. But honey, I can't sleep. You go to bed. I come down here. I do what I know. I tinker. Threat is imminent, and I have to protect the one thing that I can't live without. That's you. And my suits, they're, uh... Machines. They're part of me. A distraction. Maybe. Iron Man 3. No subtitle. Just Just the third installment. 
I feel like that's a trend that's just going to go away now. Yeah, everything's got to have no more numbers. No more numbers, just subtitles. Just now. subtitles. Uh, well, everybody's here and there on whether or not that's cool. Anyway, let's get some first opinions. Let's start. Let's go clockwise around the table. We'll start with Grant. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was definitely better than the second one, um, but not as good as the first one. The first Iron Man movie is still my favorite. But overall, I thought it was really good. Keeping it brief. Hit yeah, me with I, it, Ben. I, I liked it, too. Um, did you call me bearded, Ben? No, hit me with it, Ben. Oh, I, okay. You can be bearded, Because I don't, I don't have fine. a beard. I haven't had a beard in years. But um, <laughs> You're calling that not a beard? It's... <sighs> That I'm is gonna, very much a beard. I'm gonna I'm gonna shave eventually, but no, I I liked <laughs> Iron Man three. I liked it a lot more in theaters, but that stands to reason. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was it was entertaining, and the the plot was was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, professional movie writer, what did you say? All right, when pressed, I usually tell people that Iron Man three is my favorite of the three. I really enjoyed how it kind of dabbled in other genres like tech thriller, mystery, all that. I do enjoy how they gave Tony Stark kind of a little more heft this time around with his anxiety problems. And the action was pretty badass, so. Yeah. All right. Iron Man 3, again, I also might say it's my favorite of the trilogy so far. I mean, it's just it's just got a lot of fun things going for it. I think Iron Man 3 and 1 were very different made films. So it's hard to really compare the two. But anyway, what it really counts sometimes. Let's talk about money, guys. <laughs> Skylar, lay it on me. How much did this movie cost to make? All right. Iron Man 3 came in with a uh, a price of $200 million on the nose, which pretty average. That's it's like the typical Hollywood average nowadays. It's pretty average, considering that Robert Downey Jr. was paid $50 million for his role in, in The Avengers. I'm guessing... They kind of skimped this time around, but can only speculate on that. <laughs> we weren't in that room. No, of course not. But it, uh, what it earned was quite a bit more in that end of the year, domestic gross, $409 million. That's money made in the U.S., kids. Oh, yes. And elsewhere in the world, $806 million, so double it, which comes to a worldwide gross of $1,210,000,000, which... Pretty dang close to what the Avengers brought in, which, you know, when you look back at the other two Iron Man movies, bringing in about $600 million total worldwide. Mm-hmm. That's, a pretty, yeah. that's a pretty hefty Coming uptake. off the momentum of how successful Avengers was. If you need to relativize it, that is the second most profitable film, both domestically and foreign, of the year 2013. Oh, yes. It only came in... Uh, second at the U.S. to Hunger Games, Catching Fire, I believe, and yes. second worldwide to Frozen, which I don't think anybody saw being this huge gangbusters Go movie. juggernaut of a Disney film. Oh, yes. That being said, it's still the sixth overall highest-grossing film of all time, not counting inflation. Yeah. Ta-da. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> this, the series that started this whole Marvel thing. Yes. Get the third one and... We're still good. Exactly. <laughs> we haven't hit a, a Spider-Man 3 cataclysm yet. No. <laughs> Where we have to reboot Iron Man. Uh, but anyway, the the story of Iron Man 3 is largely based on a 2006 comic book, a six-issue story arc called Extremis by the talented writer Warren Ellis. And it deals with Tony having to try and weaponize the Iron Man suit to the point where it's not he controls it directly through his brain so it works a lot faster and that's what the extremis is because originally it's a 
a bio thingy that rehacks your 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 hewing process. It's pseudoscience in comic books, guys. Let's let's <laughs> let's move. <laughs> what I do recall a very like grungy section of this comic where people just go into like these disgusting cocoons and then yes. come out. And I'm really thankful they didn't go that route. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be that your body just envelops itself in scar tissue while your entire just insides are being reworked and re rehashed so that they can be a biological weapon. And the first person that takes it is a terrorist, and he gets super strength, super speed, super durability, and can breathe fire, and that's cool. And then Tony Reed does the working on how it works and then is able to control the Iron Man suit with his mind, essentially giving him superpowers. Because it eventually develops into some much more in later comics of what he can do through his mind with technology. Uh, but the new characters that are brought up in Iron Man 3 are phenomenal uh, in that just in amount of this movie was filled with Easter eggs of Iron Man characters that were just kind of throwaways because you're not going to recognize Iron Man characters because nobody reads Iron Man comic books except for us. Okay. <laughs> um, and you have Happy Hogan referencing Bambi at one point, a old secretary of Iron Man. Um, you have the first guy to blow up who takes the, the scene at the Chinatown Theater area. Uh, the historic Chinese theater, yes. as he puts it. Yes. Um, that's Jack Taggart. He's the alter ego of a Iron Man villain called Firepower, but then he dies. And then you also have Ellen Brandt, one of the female extremist agents involved in the Tennessee shootout. And she is actually the wife of a different Marvel character called Man-Thing. I don't think they touched on that at all, but it's so weird that they're just looping back these characters in odd, finagling ways. And then finally, you have Savin, who is the the bald, cocky dude, who's just kind of Aldrich Killian's right-hand man. And he is completely different in comic books, not even related to extremists at all. At, at all is extremist 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 they call it extremist okay yeah. just I <laughs> I pronounced it extremist when I read it uh, so excuse me if I say that a lot but extremist 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 a a a what is this Sesame uh, Street umbrella Ella yeah <laughs> <laughs> I got that <laughs> thank you oh boy someone favorite. understands me it's my favorite song ever written <laughs> Right up there with Get Down by B44. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> what was it? Oh, Seven. He's a guy called Cold Blood, 90s character. Not really important, but in the movie, completely different. Uh, oh, and President Ellis is a notch to Warren Ellis, the writer of the Extremist series. If you don't want to read the comic book, like go out and buy it, it is available in motion comic form. So pretty much they just animated the panels and made it a television show. <laughs> It's cool. Don't worry. It's not, like, super-duper lame, unless you hate the animation of motion comics. But finally, we get to the actual important characters, a.k.a. Maya Hansen, who has only really been involved in the extremist storyline and is with Tony throughout the whole ordeal. Very similar to what she does in the movie. movie. Not a whole lot uh, different there. The big difference was Aldrich Killian, Guy Pierce's character. Within the first five pages of the comic book, he kills himself. Because he gives the extremist to a bioterrorist. Or just a terrorist. Not a bioterrorist. Just a terrorist. And he's so guilt-trodden that he, that he shoots himself. And that's like the drama setup for this whole six-issue arc. It's like, a guy killed himself because he did this. Get hooked. Then there's the, the weird stuff that they did. A.K.A. Iron Patriot showing up in the show. 
because Iron Patriot is originally a Norman Osborn suit of armor developed by Osborn when he was head of the Avengers for a bit. It's sort of weird that they wanted to include that. It makes sense. The rebranding makes sense. Nobody has a government-owned property called War Machine. <laughs> You're just edging for something bad to happen at that point, PR-wise. Um, but Iron Patriot is the Green Goblin's suit. So a lot of people, when they saw the, the pictures come out originally, there's a lot of like, is Norman Osborn in this movie? What's going on, guys? And then Mandarin which was one of everybody's favorite parts of the movie, or why they hated the movie completely. Because he is portrayed as a terrorist, just a straight-up Middle Eastern terrorist. Doesn't have the magical powers he does in the comic books with his ten Makluan rings that do all different things. (laughs) But he's just a terrorist, and then the bait-and-switch happens. And you've got Trevor Slatery, British heroin addict, or just drug addict, who had plastic surgery to change his face and now is treated like a superstar actor. Woo! I thought it was funny. Did did anybody else get, like, sore in the butt over it? <laughs> no, I thought that scene was hilarious. I no. loved... Uh, who was that actor? Ben Kingsley? Yes. I loved his performance. It uh, was great. I remember hearing people being like, that's the reason I hated the film. I, I'm like, get over yourself. Yeah, seriously. I... For some dumb reason, I ended up reading, like, the plot synopsis a week before the movie came out because, you know, it hits Wikipedia because the movie's out always a, internationally a week early. And I was like, oh, man, people are just going to be so butthurt about this. It's not <laughs> even going to be funny. It's not even going to be it's funny. It's going to be very funny. How dare you? It is hilarious. <laughs> no, I mean, the scene's going to be funny. How many, how many people are getting butthurt is not going to be funny. <laughs> they really stick closely to what Extremis does in the storyline, um, in the comic book storyline. Instead of Tony needing to get extremists so he can control the suit remotely and stuff like that, instead of the beginning, he just injects himself with nanites, and you have that remote control the whole time, and extremists is just a, a bioterrorist weapon, or just, I keep seeing bioterrorist, just regular terrorism for the sake of terrorism. Extremists is a biological weapon, so that's, it's true. It is a virus. Yes, so. You're right. Okay. That's going to do the comic book section. I know that was long-winded, so but moving forward... We're going to move on to the actual parts of the film, a.k.a. some music. Ooh. Skyler, take it away. All right. Well, the score to Iron Man 3 is written by Mr. Brian Tyler, who we referenced a few episodes ago, who also wrote Thor The Dark World, who before this movie I just kind of referred to him as the Expendables dude because that's all I really knew him for. And then this movie came out, and he delivered a score that is both the rousing action stuff, and some really interesting character moments, as in there are just flavors of this score that are surprising and way too fun to ignore. So starting off with the regular action stuff, we'll go to the track Attack on 10-8... Oh, God, what is what is it? 10-8-80 Malibu Drive? Point? Malibu, something like that. Okay, we'll go to the track with a really specific title. Attack on intra- insert address here. Yes, which, as you might have guessed, is the scene where Tony's house goes in the water. Boo!
uh, interesting to note in that Tyler, much like with the situation with the X-Men movies, is the third composer to tackle the Iron Man franchise with each movie having a different composer. We heard in that track his rendition of the Iron Man theme, which pops up throughout the, the score in the movie. But maybe the most interesting parts are the parts that aren't necessarily the score. For instance, probably my favorite musical moment of the movie is in the track called The Mechanic, where Tony is without his suit but needs to infiltrate the Mandarin's compound down in Miami. Oh, with his, like, his hamburger helper? Yeah. The glove? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, he just has to rely on his wits. It's not what you expect. It has sounds that harken back to kind of spy movies, and, of course, since this is a movie set at Christmas, you can hear the jingle bells. Oh, there's jingle bells in the background? There's jingle bells! Tune in, listeners, for some jingle bells right now. And with this last track that we have queued up, it's probably one of the best in-jokes you can find because Brian Tyler is actually the composer for the the reboot of Hawaii Five O, <laughs> so he makes music that harkens back to that old '70s action TV show, Action Cop Buddy Cops. And as the end titles of this movie, it's a whole homage to all the three Iron Man films in like the style of an old '70s action TV show. So the track "Can You Dig It" is kind of that spin on the Iron Man theme. And it's a question to the audience. It is. Can you really dig it? I think so. Avengers Age of Ultron, and while I didn't have a whole lot to say really on his Thor score, probably because he came in pretty late on the game, this score gives me a fair amount of hope for what's in store. Brian Tyler, we're with you. Okay, let's take it on. We got two people in the house today. We got math and physics graduate Ben Anderson, and we have pre-med student Grant Austin, PMD, pre-med, MD, however you want to phrase it. They're smart people, people. <laughs> Way smarter than us. <laughs> we talk about movies. They talk about things that actually happen in the world. But now we're here for them to talk about movies. <laughs> so take it away, gentlemen. Which topic do you want to cover first? I'll let Ben go first. All right. Okay. Well, um, uh, well, first the skydiving scene. The skydiving scene? Uh, the plane explodes a little bit? Plane explodes. I, and Tony Stark in the Iron Man suit has to go down and rescue everybody. And what he does is he... Wraps them all together in a big kind of skydiving formation. Which, barrel of monkeys, as he yeah, called it. Yeah, barrel monkeys, he describes it. And that would make them fall more slowly than if they were just 
in you know falling individually because you have more drag. surface area. Yeah, there's there's more drag on them, so they'd have a lower terminal velocity. So that helps. <laughs> However, um, at the very end, he has them all in a line, and then he pulls them upward. And I didn't actually get out a stopwatch and go frame by frame to see how fast he's changing velocity. But they're going really fast in one direction and then really fast in the other direction in a short enough time period that everyone except Iron Man should have died from the intense G-forces. Died? Like their arms would have broken? Would have, uh, like, well, at least certain, how would they die? Certainly arms would be ripped off. Oh, it okay. Would be, it would be pretty gruesome. <laughs> um, Wouldn't that have been a fun little extra scene? And then they would have drowned for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, the other... Shoot, where was I going with this? <laughs> it's okay. Their arms would have fallen off and they would have drowned. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, okay. So th- since they're facing down and they're being pulled up, probably that's one of the worst ways for your body to accelerate. You know, if, if you're being pushed backwards and you're suffering G-forces accelerating backwards, that's the worst kind of acceleration for your body and your eyes would be sucked not sucked from your sockets, but your eyes would try to stay in one place while the rest of your body goes the other way. Oh, my goodness. So, it is so, a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Ben. Their eyes Let's would pull out of their sockets. Their about... arms would rip off. They'd hit real the, talk here. <laughs> they'd, they'd, hit the, they'd hit the surface of the water at uh, 200 meters a second, say, which you may as well For be hitting concrete. For the American people, how fast is that? Like, oh, like 200 meters a second. Um, proud, who knows? I can't convert. Well, it'd be running down basically two football fields, including end zones. In a second? In a second. Oh wow! So that fast into your face into water, face down into water. Okay. Well, you are going that fast, and then you're going like maybe ten meters a second the other way in oh. less than a second. Get out your pen and paper, listeners. This is getting intense. <laughs> There's also something to be said about how he used a current to. Yes. Rip hands. Okay. Luckily, before they get their arms ripped off, at least the f- person next to Iron Man would have died. Oh, from the electric shock. Yeah. Well, because he's what is he doing? So he's, what he does uh, is he grabs onto the first person and he says, "I'm going to electrocute you, so you can't let go," which is fine. Current goes through out of his hand through the other person's hand and back into his. That's fine. And then it clen- makes their muscle spasm. And, yeah, it makes their so makes their, their muscles seize, and and they can't let go. Fine for the first person. When the second person grabs on, though, the current is not going to go through them because they're they're insulated. You know, uh, if they were standing on the ground, the ground is basically an infinite repository of electrons. We can put oh in. Oh my goodness! Gra- <laughs> Blow like my mind here. So, so basically, you're saying the energy gets lower. I'm saying that no matter how high, no matter how much juice he's pumping through the first guy's hand, it's not going to go to the second guy. The same amount. There's no gonna, reason for oh. the current to go there because it can't get to. Uh, it can't get to a lower voltage, basically. Oh, my goodness. So so that's why we ground all our electronics, so that if something goes wrong, all the current goes into the ground instead of into our hands. Oh. So, wait, you're so saying the, that he couldn't even transfer the electricity to the second person? That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, I thought it just – I thought it, I thought if you had contact with a person, it went through. But you have to be standing if you're standing, on the ground. If you're standing on the ground, yeah. Okay. If you're grounded. But they're – Insulated. There's twenty thousand. How high do commercial airliners fly? 
I don't know. I read somewhere it was 35,000. 35, 35, 35 miles high. So and yeah, for yeah, six miles. 35, okay, yeah, so 3,500, 35,000 feet. By the time he grabs on, there's probably like 20,000 feet. That's lightning, you know. Oh, okay. So he just created lightning through a person. For them to be grounded, he'd have to be generating lightning, which is okay. just a stupid amount of energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what happens when the second guy grabs on is the first guy still, his hand's still seized on. Second guy doesn't feel anything. So he'd lose his grip. So they'd all die separately when they hit the water. <laughs> so, we're bringing it back to the, just these people are dying. They're, left they're dead. Right. They're, they're straight up dead, all these people. Um, <laughs> the, the way that you could get the second guy to seize is if you had them in a ring, but they're in a line. If you had them in a ring, then the current would travel all the way around. See, that's know. what I was thinking about. Yeah, if, but that's, that's if you can complete the circuit and make a loop. Oh, talking about circuits and, and, now. Well, yeah, but the thing is, all that current has to go somewhere. So if it, if you're if I'm on Tony oh. Stark's left, I'm grabbing onto his left hand, and then the guy on my left is grabbing my hand, and then we complete a cir- circuit so that we can't let go. I have enough electricity to make my hand seize up, going down my arm, across my chest, out my other arm. And if you have enough electricity pumping through you to make your hand seize up, and it's going across your chest, it's enough to make your heart seize up. Oh, okay, so you're dead. Your heart's, yeah, heart's a muscle, a, too, yeah. like everything heart's else. Heart's another so. muscle. If he's electrocuting you so you can't let go, and everyone's just feeling one, that. Just one line, and that's all it takes, and we're just like, nope, you can't do that. You're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. So <laughs> It's just a bad it was, situation. It sound for the first person that he grabbed onto, because that would... Because yeah, their cause, muscles would seize and they'd hold on to Iron Man and not fall off. But it, there's no reason that the electricity would go down through the second person's hand and back. It's the path of least resistance, just to take the shortest distance. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to. All right, let's let's yeah. go on to a part where like it's actually theoretically cool. Like we get it, they should have died. That happens <laughs> in almost every movie, and we love to we have to point them out for it. No, 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 no movies. That physics was bad, <laughs> but we get it. You tried to tell a story, but the whole thing about uh, him being able to control the armor with his mind—you know, just doing that little like judo pose thing—is that realistic technology? That is pretty realistic, actually. Um, there's a company called Puzzlebox that is mass-producing helicopters that you can control with your mind, like little remote control helicopters. I thought you meant like Blackhawks. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, whoa! This is awesome! It's an exciting future. <laughs> <laughs> no, just little remote control ones, and it's based off of just how much you're concentrating, so it's very simple design. You're just connected to an EEG, and it's measuring how much you're concentrating, and that'll cause the helicopter to go up and move around a little bit, and if you stop concentrating on it, it'll land. So pretty simple. But what Tony Stark is like a millionaire and he's a genius. So without a doubt, like he could upgrade this a little bit, I think. <laughs> For be suits of armor. Wasn't yeah. he controlling like all 30 at one point with his brain? Or did he, I no, think he let Jarvis, Jarvis do I, I, doing Yeah, that. I kind of con- assumed it was just some autopilot. I think when he's like making the suits do stuff, he's mainly just being like, Jarvis, make my suit do this, since they're all kind of connected to the same <laughs> yeah. computer. He's not a genius. Jarvis is a genius. Yeah. <laughs> but when but what you're talking about is more like he puts the little chips in his arms and he makes the stuff fly to him. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's pretty It's like putting a, a liquid least. EEG in your body. I don't like he's probably putting little computer chips in his body that are 
mm-hmm. just oh. measuring either the movement of his arms and certain movements make things come to him or else they're close enough to major nerves that he's causing electrical signals to activate him. I don't know. It's pretty poorly explained because all it does is showing him, you know. Be a genius. Yeah, a couple <laughs> couple injections in his arm and he can control everything yeah. that's I, science yeah I assume I assumed there were computer chips or, or magnets and accelerometers and stuff and and you, you could have 42 um, 43 whatever however many <laughs> however many Iron Man suits he has flying around you could do that I used to work for a company and one of the things they do is fly drones and you can control a drone pretty precisely with just GPS and in your and, mind and an, and an <laughs> autopilot and your mind that's, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not going to fight it. Some, so, some well, that's s- the whole point. I want to be able to control things with my mind. I want to be able to be like, uh, record, but not, not say it out loud. Just think it, and then the computer just starts doing it. And then I thought that that stuff was just only in sci-fi films, but now it's real, and I'm getting super excited, guys. Yeah. I don't know how much this helicopter is going to cost, but I really want to get one for Christmas and then year. And then a couple <laughs> years down the line, the computer will be... Like, just deciding what to cord, record because it knows what's best for you. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody will have their own little Jarvis. Uh, is that – did you guys want to talk more about a science topic? I mean, you guys are pretty loaded for this segment, aren't you? Uh, let's talk about extremists and fire breathing <laughs> and stuff. Um, basically, genetic manipulation to make your body heal faster. Okay. Yeah, it's very similar to what they do in – the new Planet of the Apes movie where they're regrowing neurons with a virus, but it's regrowing any part of your body through genetic manipulation. Okay. Yeah. Nothing to do with stem cells? Not really. All right. Cool. Although, just checking. Although, just checking. Although there is apparently a pocket in your brain that is empty where it goes. That's no. Yeah, no. I wasn't so sure about that. <laughs> Which sparked a big debate about, well, not even a big debate, just a general poking fun at Lucy and, you know, using the concept of using, like, 30% of your brain. Aren't we always using 100% of our brain? If you're using 30% of your brain, you're probably in a coma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if there's a hole in your brain, you're not going to get superpowers. <laughs> you, you just have brain damage, literally. <laughs> but extremis and what it can do, it just, it just pretty much recodes you genetically so that you heal faster? It's yeah, it's it's a healing factor through genetic manipulation introduced by a virus, apparently. Um, which okay, a lot of big words they, there. They use they use viruses to deliver genetic material. To cells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same thing that HIV does a little bit too to your cells. So, like, even in nature, you find things like inserting their own DNA into your DNA to make it benefit them. Okay, so it's just benefiting us now, yeah. kind of. All right, but um, then that leads to breathing fire, okay. right? That's the next step. Yeah. After you can heal your body, yeah. you, you can start breathing fire. To me, well, that was BS, but I don't. I'm not okay, too so sure about it. I can I can force I can kind of <laughs> make a theory to force the extremists to make sense a little bit. Kind of. <laughs> That's why you're here, Ben. But okay, so so like when you have an infection, you get a fever because. When your body temperature is high, it's easier for your body to fight off the infection, right? Because so chemical that's... reactions go better at higher temperatures. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basic chemistry. But if it gets too <laughs> Sure, <high>. sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when it gets too hot, you start causing damage. So that's why fevers are bad after a certain point. Yeah. So that's why extremists might make you get glowing red hot. B- because, like, well, there's the scene where some guy gets punched in the ribs, or maybe some girl, I don't know. But you can, like, see it, like, glowing as the ribs mm-hmm. mend back together, and then after it's done, it stops. So it, the, the, the heat from the extremis could just be the body giving off heat as it's repairing itself. 
Okay. Problem is, so the body's glowing red hot, or sometimes it, we, we see it glowing yellow and white hot. Uh, so it's on the order of thousands of degrees Fahrenheit. Just because of uh, black body radiation, if you heat anything up hot enough, it'll it'll uh, start to glow different colors. And that's how we tell how hot stars are. So you, you can you can tell the temperature of a star by what color it is, if it's a normal star. If it's a weird star, then it doesn't work so well. So then we move that heat to our mouths and start breathing in. So I want to breathe fire, guys. So, Get me there. So So... So, yeah, in the scene where Killian breathes fire, what he's doing is he's causing enough internal damage that it's hot enough for some gas to combust, probably methane, and then he's expelling that. So he's farting backwards, (laughs) which would cause a lot of internal damage, and if your body heals inefficiently enough, it gives off a lot of heat. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So if we accept that extremis actually can cause this, like these amounts of heat, these glowing red, glowing yellow, white hot amounts of heat thousands of degrees fahrenheit then then yeah breathing fire is totally plausible kind what? of awesome my only problem with that theory awesome. is that your body's kind of directed one way like it's really hard for stuff to come out of your bowels back the other way <laughs> thank goodness yeah so i don't know that's that's really my only problem with your whole farting backwards Theory. Enough of the fart talk. <laughs> we're done with science at that point. I heard farting backwards, and now we're cutting you off. Uh, moving on it's to probably sp- a good idea. <laughs> moving on to fun facts. Skyro, what you got list up for, for fun facts first? Oh, boy. First thing on the fun facts list is that Iron Man 3 is under a new director. Not Jon Favreau anymore. Oh, no. But Shane Black, who worked with Robert Downey Jr. before on a film called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Which is awesome. And another film that's set at Christmas time, because apparently Shane Black can only do movies that are set <laughs> at Christmas. Which is okay, because this one, movie's good, but... Why did they Why did they move? Was uh, it they weren't uh, happy with the direction Favreau was taking in Iron Man 2? Um, I don't believe guess. it was that so much as he wanted to just go do, like, his Magic Kingdom movie for Disney and all that. Oh, John Favreau junk. wanted to move on to his own stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Although he obviously remains as a producer and comes back as Happy Hogan, so it's not like he's like, oh, forget this series. This film also had a lot of uh, filming in China, right, and had a special extra scene for Chinese theaters reviewing e- with a uh, Chinese celebrity, right? Yes, I believe the scene was just a thrilling thrilling phone conversation the Chinese doctor had with I don't know some other doctor and then he looked at a TV and Iron Man was posing with all these you know not famished Chinese children <laughs> okay yes <laughs> that took a weird turn <laughs> yes they, just because they did a lot of filming in China they included that I think so I don't even know if they actually filmed a lot in China so much as they just had like some backing in China that might have been the only scene they shot in China so. oh okay yeah. I thought the 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 was the frigate scene not shot in China, the, like the whole climax part. Wasn't that in a Chinese harbor? No, that was down in Miami. Okay, cool. Just checking. Yeah. He knows these things. I don't know these things. Um, and then there's the All Hail the King. Okay, yeah, All Hail the King is a Marvel one-shot short film that debuted on the Blu-ray for Thor: The Dark World, which features Ben Kingsley as Trevor Slattery, who is becoming kind of a celebrity in jail, but it's also made him a target too because apparently the real mandarin is out to get him now oh oh that's what they hinted at in that oh yes okay so there is an actual mandarin because that brings us to our last fun fact and that was let's talk about the bait and switch (laughs) and the whole purpose behind that 
Yeah. Because originally this film's like, if you remember watching the Iron Man 3 trailers, felt a lot like they were just carbon copying Dark Knight Rises. Right. In the sense that, you know, big terrorist baddie is going to come and, you know, wreck everything for Iron Man. And, you know, obviously... He has to crawl back from the depths. Yep. And visual parallels also between, like, broken helmets and cowls and stuff like that, so... But that wasn't what the film was at all. Oh, no, it was not really at all. <laughs> so why would they go that route? Just for marketing or just to uh, Shane Black being like, hoo-hoo, got you, audience? Yeah, the marketing itself of this movie was not entirely truthful in that throughout the entirety they blew up the mandarin as this the final bad guy a big terrorist big terrorist and then can do anything super smart has a lot of resources and then obviously the movie didn't even go that route so i think a lot of people's frustration with this was it was a thing of made it look like something it wasn't going to be okay my only problem with the twist was that i love ben kingsley in both personas he's playing just that after that twist hit the villains we were left with were kind of normal. Oh, Guy Pierce, I think, did a nice job. He did a nice enough job with what he was given, so. And last, we have our speculation portion, ladies and gentlemen. And there's not really a whole lot of speculation out right now. <laughs> right. We kind of kind of have a pretty good idea of we're, what's in store. We're doing, doing down on the last films we can speculate on, because after, I don't know, after like, Dread? Yes. We're going to be pretty much done. <laughs> Everything else is going to be pretty established. Like, we can't do speculation on Spider-Man 2. Oh, Spider-Man 3 came out. Wonderful. You know, maybe they might use Electro for Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm, it's just a guess. <laughs> just a guess. <laughs> Perhaps. I think right. they're, they're gearing up to that. Yes. There was talks of uh, what's Downey's role in Iron Man 4. Is, there, is that coming? He signed on for Avengers 2 and 3, or 3 Part 1 and 2. Yes. Okay, so... that's what films have turned into nowadays. Can't get everything in in two and a half hours. Might as well make it five hours. Huzzah, Hollywood! <laughs> Are you going to be okay? <laughs> just like a weird... <laughs> Stop doing that. Okay. So basically there's no Iron Man 4 on the roster for the next, I don't know, six years? years at six least. Years? And then basically after this movie he was just like... No, I'm not doing it. Yes, I'm doing it. No, I'm not doing it. And I just stopped caring at some point. But <laughs> the next lineup where we see Robert Downey Jr. is Avengers Age of Ultron. Then after that, he will he has a role in Captain America Civil War. Okay. And then the two Avengers flicks. And beyond that, who knows? If you'll get another standalone? Yeah. I, I mean, Marvel would do it in a drop of a hat, wouldn't they? Because it just makes mucho bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's their golden goose, really. They're just waiting on Downey to say yes? Pretty much. And he's sort of on the fence? Right. Pretty much say yes to $100 million. Okay. Well, there's the money, and then there's artistic integrity, guys. Right. Which one sounds better to you? (laughs) I believe it's going to wrap it up today, guys. You have anything else you want to say? Ben? Grant? Great to have you here, as always. Yay. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I hope I get invited back. This is fun. Okay. We're going to make you a permanent member, Ben. You know what, oh, Grant, God. you can leave forever. Sorry, I go to school so far away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> did, that, did, that, did that come up? Um, yeah, oh, yeah. That, oh. <laughs> I've got the headphones on. I heard every second. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good.
<laughs> All right. Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. Find this podcast online at superheromovieclub.podbean.com or subscribe on iTunes. I believe it's going to wrap it up for our entire second season of Superhero Movie Club, 2013, Locked in a Barrel. We made it. Woo! Next up, 2012. <laughs> no stopping. The train's going to keep rolling. Dread's first up. I'm super excited. That movie is dope. That movie is dope. <laughs> so dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it today. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Michael Maurer. I'm James Scarhoutsma. I'm Grant Austin. And I'm Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Just one name, Ben. All right, everybody. I hope you have a super week. Yo, listen up, here's the story About a little guy that lives in a blue world And all day and all night And everything he sees is just blue Like him, inside and outside Blue his house with a blue little window And a blue Corvette And everything is blue for him And himself and everybody around Cause he ain't got nobody to listen I'm blue, I've been beat, I've been died, I've been